To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. Also, starting August 1st, any orders of $35 or more get free shipping to anywhere in the continental United States. So that's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. trying to get crazy with this thing. Don't you know I'm local? Happy Wednesday, everybody. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com. Find me on Twitter, well, at least till the end of the day, at POS Sarcasm. That's going to help you later on. But you can still find me on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, just look up Positive Sarcasm. Look for the black hole logo. Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. You can go to PositiveSarcasm.com. Uh... I'm a little I'm a little lower today, not because I'm sick or anything like that. I'm just tired. I am definitely tired today. Um, I'll explain in a little bit, but yeah, first of all, August is coming up, and I'm right before August starts. I'm so swamped with dates, and not like dates, like hi, what's your favorite color? I want to go back and smack lips. I mean, like uh, actual dates and projects and events coming up that I actually got to do. Plus, additional time off that I'll obviously bring in my gear with me, and then literally just doing one project and then as soon as i'm done with that project packing up and going and doing another project literally within literally within the same day and then once i'm then taking all that data getting it off the off of my uh cameras and then going and charging all the the batteries and then the next day getting going and doing another completely different event and then once they're all done editing them and having them ready for you know projected times of the week so getting that ready and Hey, I, that's what I signed up for. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's part of the gig, you know. So these are the things that you have to be prepared for if you're really gonna try to make an impact. And could I have spread some of this stuff out? Yeah, I absolutely could. But sometimes the motivation just isn't there. And then again, that's also—is that an excuse? No, it's just it is what is. So me trying to find the time and sometimes the help, the assistance to actually do some of these projects that I have in mind. Plus, I got to keep the creativity juices flowing so I can get these ideas out of my head so new ones can form. Otherwise, it just turns into a mental traffic jam. Something I'm having a real issue with right now because I, for the longest time, um, ever since like 2014, um, I've been having sleeping problems, you know, and I don't take pills or anything like that for it. I take a little, I take alpha brain and magnesium before I go to bed. Um, and it helps me sleep better. It helps me, helps me cognitively. But, I don't know, maybe it's my bed or the heat or something like that, but just it's been a long stretch of not sleeping. I get up really early. That also doesn't necessarily help. I try to go to bed at a decent hour. And I don't mean like I try, but it doesn't work out. I mean, I do. Like I'm usually in bed very early um, because I respect how much pain my, you know, pain and tolerance, my, you know, how much my body can take before it breaks down. And it generally doesn't. My brain just, my body, brain and body keep rolling. But sometimes it just isn't there. You have to address it right off the bat. You know, don't want to bring a funk to the party, but the fact is, is that just sometimes you're tired. And I mean, I got some, let's see, what do I got on the whiteboard? Um, some, some busy work, some fun in the sun and some like actual events. Like, let's see, August 10th, I got stuff coming up like this, the 27th and the 28th of this week. I got, I'm, I'm busy all weekend. Uh, there's drifting stuff. There's a, um, there's a beer fest that if the if the stuff on Saturday that I have set up for a project with Polkin doesn't work out, then I'm going to go do that. Also, I have I'm, I'm possibly going to be shooting another trigger warning this weekend, uh, the first in what two almost two years. Uh, then so that's this weekend, and then next weekend I'm supposed to be going. I'm finally going to be back in the air in the Cessna 172, so I'm going to be trying out the GoPros uh, with actual aerial footage. From either depends depends upon the, what the pilot recommends. So I'm gonna be doing that as well. That should be really cool. Uh, and then what else? Let's see. That's the fourth. And then the week after that, hopefully working on this project disconnect a little bit more. And then the tenth, the tenth actually isn't too too bad. We'll see what else pans out. But the tenth, I'm gonna be in Hampton Beach. And then the seventeenth, I have a big barbecue to go to. And then once that's done, I'm gonna be off to the races. I'll probably be in the on the off the coast of Maine for a few days, and then on the let's see, I think everything wraps up around the twenty eighth. 
And then in September, let's see, what's eight four? And then the tw- and then basically once September hits, I have, I'm clear, I'm clear to go. September will probably be, hmm, let me think about it. September will probably be a seafood festival. There'll probably be a food festival down in Boston. There'll probably also be um, some RC flying too for the AMA. There'll probably be a Jettober type of thing. So I'm going to be working on all that stuff. So all that stuff is coming together. Uh, hey, uh, speaking of cool shit, did you guys check out, there's two new movie trailers that came out. I know I haven't talked about movies. Well, actually, let me bring this up really quick because it's on the top of the page. Um, notes are important. You should probably pay attention to your notes. First of all, I'd love to say anybody to say hello to anybody who's been subscribing or, or watching or commenting or whatever. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can go to Apple Podcast or iTunes, as they used to call it, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podcast Addict. Uh, I mean, there's a lot more feeds attaching themselves to this channel. So it's available. It's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get it for your phone, download it directly to your computer, stream it directly from the website, positivesarcasm.com. There's no reason why you shouldn't find it. It's a question of really if you're just, you have too many podcasts or this just isn't, this you just don't find it interesting. That's all. So I'm just saying, I'm making the stupid, I'm making this hour-long idiotic thing available to you in a very convenient way. It really is. Shit, you could probably download it to like a, 20-year-old iPod or 20-year-old MP3 player. It's that convenient, you know? I got some bathtub coffee. Cold brew basically is really just, you know, it's like the bathtub gin of fucking coffee because you literally just just fill up cold water and then dump beans in there and some type of filter and you just leave it in the fridge for like anywhere between 8 and like 20 hours and then you basically just get cold coffee. That's it. It's like just the bathtub gin of, of coffee. Um, but it's definitely helping. I don't care how... This one, this this quality blend I made today is... Well, it's not quality. That's for damn sure. It's definitely grainy. It's a little too watery. The only thing that's really helping it is the fact that I got heavy cream in it. So last week when Johnny Rocket Chips was here, we were discussing... We talked about Area 51 and the storming, the possible storming, which will never happen. Don't do it. And the movies, since we brought it up, we wanted to talk about the best alien movies of all time. Anything having to do with extraterrestrials. Um, what's the movie? E.T. does not make the list. Okay? It doesn't. It just isn't there. It's a good movie, but it's not a t- all-timer. Okay? Doesn't break the top 10. Doesn't break the top 15. As maybe 10 years ago it did. Now not even close. However, there's a movie I'd be... Rem- I'd be It'd be foolish of me to not mention it because I didn't mention it last week, although I reviewed this movie on this podcast and gave it an amazing review, and I didn't mention it because it has been confirmed that this movie did have to do with aliens, and that's the movie A Quiet Place, directed, starring and directed by John Krasinski, and his wife Emily Blunt is in it. That was a phenomenal movie as far as its skew on alien movies and alien invasion movies okay it's right up there with the other 10 to 15 that i mentioned and i needed to just get it off my chest that it's that it is that good it is up there with the independence days and any other type of aliens it's up there with those movies period so that had to be mentioned a quiet place with john krasinski and emily blunt do check it out i also have a We'll stay on the movie trailer topic. We'll stay on the movie topics, too, a little bit. We're going to talk about... Let's see. Okay. Two huge movie trailers that came out just in the past week or two. Um, if you didn't see the original... If you guys are horror flick fans, depending upon... there's certain Nowadays, there's so many types of horror movies out there, but I generally don't watch horror movies. If you want to think about the horror movies that I enjoy, try to think like um, Insidious and Insidious Chapter 2. Those two kind of got me back into the horror movie genre. They kind of hit the right note where it wasn't all just gore. It was There was a lot to do with the the frightening aspect of it. And then, of course, It. The remake of It came out, made for movies, and that was phenomenal. That was arguably, since I, I don't watch many horror movies, that, I mean, it's very easy for that to make like the top three horror movies of all time for me because I don't watch a lot of them. That was a fantastic movie. I think I gave it four out of five stars. 
and it was awesome. The new trailer for that just came out. And, you know, all the same characters, plus the characters in their adult form. Okay, James McAvoy um, and some other people. It's great. I think Bill Hader's in it as well. So, let's see. Hold on, I just got a comment. MV, why do you smell like an LCD screen? Why do I smell like an LCD screen? I don't know. Have you ever smelled me? I don't think I smell like an LCD screen. Anyways, uh, back to what I was talking about. So It Chapter 2 is coming out. The The trailer obviously looks frightening because, it's, well, it's a horror movie. It should be frightening. So I would consider watching It, and then when this movie comes out, it was originally, it was a book created by Steven Spielberg. Um, anybody who does who hates clowns will love this movie. Well, I'm not sure how that's worded correctly, but yeah. If you love the idea of scary clowns, this is the movie for you. Also, a movie I've been dying to have them have a sequel to for 30, over 30 years. Finally, it's happening. The trailer's awesome. Um, It's as cheesy and as badass as you'd want it to be. And finally, the sequel to Top Gun is less than a year away. So it's called Maverick, uh, Top Gun Maverick. It's basically about Maverick, who is a fighter pilot um, during the mid mid to late 1980s, who was a bit on the edge, and now he's a f- and he's been doing it for forever. Refuses to die, still take chances, and is an excellent pilot. And I think there's going to be a space aspect to it because he in the movie he puts on two different helmets. He is flying. He's not flying the F-14 Tomcat. He's flying in a version of the F-18, which is probably an F-A-18. The F-A-18 is a Super Hornet that generally launches off of uh, aircraft carriers. So in one part, in, in most of the parts that you see him flying, he's flying an F-A-18, which is a Super Hornet. But you see him in some of the trailer. Yeah, I'm dissecting it. In the trailer, when he's putting on a helmet and when he's talking to James Kahn. Is it James Kahn? No, excuse me. Ed Harris. He's wearing, you can see around his neck, it's a lock for a space helmet. And then in one part, he's putting on a space helmet, which means he's obviously going to the edge of the earth for some reason in some type of plane. So I'm curious to see how that is portrayed in the film. I'm curious. I'm them. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. That comes out in 2020. Uh, let's see. Welcome to the chat room. Four messages were deleted by the moderator. Okay. Well, good. That's fine with me. Timed out for only 300 seconds. Okay, well, turns out that the moderator decided to um, kick somebody from the... Oh, the moderator deleted. I have an automated moderator now on the uh, chat channel. And when you know somebody starts shit, I guess the moderator handles it. I try not to use too many algorithms, but let's face it. I got some haters out there and some crazy-ass stalkers. So the moderator definitely helps. So if the moderator gets rid of you. Well, well okay, here's the thing. Let me, let me put this out there since it's in my head. Because this podcast is all about getting shit out of my head. If, say, the moderator kicks you from the channel, okay, and you feel it shouldn't have been, you can send me an email. You can go to my po- my website at positivesarcasm.com, hit the contact section, and explain why you shouldn't have been kicked from the channel. Or you can just t- you can just do positivesarcasm at outlook.com, and you can message me that di- a little more directly. So if you feel like you've been wronged by the positive sarcasm uh, uh, network, you can message me directly and we can resolve it. Or if you really are being a douche, then you can kiss my ass. Um, and then that'll be that. So that is that. Uh, what are we at? 13 minutes? Ugh, we are going to die a miserable death today. So, yeah. I reviewed A Quiet Place. That's an awesome movie for alien movies. The new Top Gun travel. Uh, Top Gun, okay. Movies you need to see. Quiet Place, yes. It, the original It, not the one with zippity doo Tim Curry from like the 1990s, but the new It starring somebody. Um, so It and then it, cha- when it when Chapter 2 comes out. And then, of course, the original Top Gun, 1984, I think that was when it came out, 19- 1986, something like that, directed by Tony Scott, a Jerry Bruckheimer presentation. Also, it was also starring Val Kilmer. And, uh, awesome flick. It's, the ul- it's one of the ultimate dude flicks out there. So take me to bed or lose me forever. So yeah, Top Gun Maverick. Check that out in 2020. All right, let's see. So I got the dates rolled out here. Okay. Um, oh, speaking of movie stuff, I finally got a chance, since I don't have Netflix anymore, but every once in a while I do happen to catch it. 
This coffee's weak sauce today. I got a chance to check out Chernobyl, the miniseries. It's five episodes long. They're about an hour each. It's on HBO. Is it on HBO? Yeah. And I'm, first of all, I'm a, I'm a big fan of, or I I studied a lot of Chernobyl originally to see what the hell happened and how bad was it and the consequences of it. And when it happened, the Soviet Union was on the brink of collapse. And they say that the collapse of the Soviet Union, because back then when when Chernobyl was running, the Soviet Union controlled the Ukraine, uh, you know, Kiev, shit like that. So that whole section was USSR, Soviet Union. Then the wall came down. The Berlin Wall came down, and pretty much that was the end of the, the Soviet era. But the idea, the most embarrassing moment, I have to say, embarrassing is one way to put it, but the meltdown at Chernobyl, the explosion at Chernobyl, is is definitely, is, to say it one way, is definitely embarrassing for the Soviet government, for the Russian government back then, okay? A massive disaster one of the probably the worst i think it's the worst disaster when you compare what happened there and i'll explain exactly what happened there for those who didn't watch the series or anything like that to say like okay there was the exxon valdez oil spill okay that was horrific you had the bp oil spill in the gulf of mexico that was bad you had the fukushima nuclear power plant get dislodged that was bad um those are disasters I'll even put in all all the I'll even put in all of the atomic explosions whether they were used in warfare or or testing. You can include those in there. They're not disasters, but include those as well. 3 Mile Island, which is a, which was a nuclear power plant. Add that in as well. Okay? Any explosion anywhere, put it down. Chernobyl was the worst. Chernobyl was the worst. The reason being is it will last till probably the end of humanity. I just I don't know how whether I don't know how long humanity is going to last, but its potential to be bad still. And okay, when you when you put them head to head, oil versus uranium, purified uranium, put the two against each other. Oil kills wildlife, fish. It takes years to clean up. A little different, though. Radioactive isotopes. We're talking about gamma rays. Gamma rays are like bullets. So you have this. You have a. You have exposed uranium two thirty five that mixes with other elements like graphite and concrete, which is not an element, but it's a pizza structure. When you have these exposed elements, these isotopes, these gamma rays go shooting out. They go through concrete. They go through flesh. They go through basically any, almost any object. And what they do, as soon as they hit the body, they'll generally tear apart skin. They can tear, they, you know, like micro cuts. They go through DNA. And if enough of them go through you, they can do serious damage to your body, mutations, cancer, death. What happened was, and yeah, I'm going to explain it. To, I'll explain it to you because I do find it fascinating. Um, in the in the 1980s, there was a lot of nuclear power plants. There was a nuclear race still happening, as far as who could be dominant with power and weapons and armies. There was also the idea of smaller, faster, cheaper. Trying to, and the Russians were trying to save money in many different aspects, and they were using these types of nuclear uh, reactors, which were you were did work. They did work, but the um, and they were water cooled. But there was a couple things that, because they didn't tell the people who were working these facilities how to cor- how to correctly, you know, monitor these items. There was just a li- there was I'm, I'll try not to get too scientific, but there was a shitload of situ- things that went wrong, and it caused the worst disaster, man-made disaster in history. Where okay, um, uranium. When it gets hot, it can create, when it's surrounded by water, the water creates steam and drives the turbines. Okay, turbines, anytime you can create steam, you've got energy. That's how, that's how the lights go on in our house. Okay, 
This time it's nuclear power. What happened was there was so much when they took the graphite rods, when they took these boron rods, excuse me, boron is, is a absorbent, a radiation absorbent material. And when you put it, when you put these rods into the water, they're control rods and they slow down the nuclear reaction process. Okay, so if you have, if it gets too hot and there's too much steam, the boron will stop the process. The problem was, is these, they were not boron at the bottom of the control rods. They were a different element, uh, graphite, which is basically like a trigger. Okay, that's, boom, that's, that's the dynamite right there. That's the detonator. And basically when they, these things, these, the nuclear reactor got way too hot, they put the rods back on the water. Okay. And then when that happened, the reactor got so hot that it blew the cap off the top of reactor four. React now there was four. There's obviously four reactors in Chernobyl power plant. Okay, Chern- in, in in reactor four they were testing shutdown emergency shutdown sequences where if we lose if they lose power they have diesel generators that can get up to speed and take over controlling the power plant and the reactor and the control rods and all that jazz until they can get regular power back up. The pressure built up too quickly, blew this cap that covers the entire nuclear reactor and all the purified uranium and all the radiation, blew it right off the top. Now, what are we talking about? We're talking about tons, like 100 tons of cap. And this, imagine just a row a row of 18 wheelers blown into the fucking sky and just flipped over. That's what this initial explosion did. Blew the cap, which had control rods and additional electronics and water, and then this giant piece of metal and just blew the sewer drain right off. And then what happened from there is now there's all this water and you have this fire. And all, and now you, and now you have what's the worst thing when you have water and fire, and it's in a trapped space. Now you have oxygen, and all the oxygen comes flying in, like if, like if you ever seen the movie Backdraft. I think the same thing. All the air came flying in, and just kaboom. And it, in Reactor Four, you have it's a it's a big room, and then even so, you have a you have a cap. First, it blows the cap off the reactor, the core. Then, after the oxygen gets into the core, a secondary explosion blows all of reactor four apart. Like Mount St. Helens. The pressure just boom. All the oxygen, everything just came flying up, tore apart reactor four, completely exposed to to the night sky, and sent all kinds of debris all over the rooftops, all over, well, physical debris all over nearby towns, one of them known as Pripyat, which is miles south. But you can see it from a distance, uh, the Chernobyl power plant from this town called Pripyat, which is now a ghost town. You're not allowed to live there. It's off limits. And you can look this shit up. It's all, it's all, the, the, the series does an excellent job of only using, really only using creative license when necessary to condense what happened. They do move some dates back and back and forth a little bit, but for the most part, what happened was accurate as fuck. Okay. And how bad it was. Because after the initial explosion, it caused a massive cloud of radioactive material to blow with the wind land in the town of Pripyat, kill thousands of people, give them give and then give thousands of people more cancer. So drove those people out of there. Then you have the entire area of Chernobyl, which is covered. Almost anybody who was working within the facility or had to clean it up afterwards, probably dead. Um or cancer or any other type of disease. Also, then the winds took this radioactive material that was being blown into the clouds sent it into other countries, sent it further into the Ukraine. They could register it from hundreds of miles away. And now, unlike an oil spill, radioactive material 
doesn't die. It doesn't go away. It sinks. It goes through the ground. It goes through walls. It sits there forever. And it will continue to go forever if left exposed. So they tried to quickly build within about five years, I think, because Chernobyl was still running in some capacity. Not Reactor 4, of course, because Reactor 4 didn't exist. Um, until about 1991 when they shut the whole place down. Then they capped it off with like a makeshift cover to control most of the radiation from, you know, the elements. But that cover eventually disintegrated. The panels were falling apart. So they just built this new, you can look this up, this new mega structure that now is now slid into place over the top of Reactor 4. But you understand, this happened in 1986. The core and the radioactive material from the explosion at Chernobyl is still there. The graphite, the control rods, the boron, the chemicals from the explosion that fused together and created chromium or chromium or something like that. The elephant's foot, which is the melting, um, the meltdown, it melted through the bottom of the core and went into the basement of the facility. And if that corium mixed with the water at the bottom, they have a, they have a cooling pond that's out back behind Chernobyl, or at least they did. If it would have reached that cooling pond or if it would have reached that the bottom of the pool there, the, the bottom of the basement where, the, where it was flooded, it, caused, it could have caused more explosions, would have contaminated the pool, and it would have, just, it would have been even worse. So there was an even worse element, which is actually still plausible to this day because the radioactive material is still there. Okay? The radioactive material is still there. You can... And the, the guys who were up, they had... They tried to send uh, lunar robots on top to shovel off the uh, shovel off the, the blown up uh, graphite and other materials. Trying to shove it back into the core, basically just trying to clean up a mess. Like you're sweeping the like you're sweeping the kitchen. You're trying to get it all into one pile so you can throw it all away. They were trying to do the same thing with these lunar robots, but the radiation was basically malfunctioning these fucking robots. So they had to send guys up there, and the guys can only go in shifts of like sixty to ninety seconds. Otherwise, they would reach their maximal allowable amount of radiation that they could take in, and then that was all she wrote for them. And a lot of them died or are unaccounted for. The Russians say the Russians' statistics are pretty vague at this point, but we know that whoever was in you know, a lot of people who lived in Pripyat, people who were around Chernobyl, there was a lot of deaths. There was a lot of deaths in the future, and has it it'll affect generations to come. We're talking people as far away as like Romania are affected by the events of Chernobyl and still are. If you look up, if you can Google something called radioactive decay or half-life, the time it takes a radioactive particle to decay, we're talking like 10,000 years. Okay? And you have a giant cauldron of radioactive material still sitting there at Chernobyl. And when they were working on this new cap to cover the building four, a reactor four, they had to work a certain amount of length away from the facility to lower their risk of being, you know, exposed to severe amounts of radiation and then move the cap over once it was created. Pretty incredible task. You can go on YouTube and check that shit out. This is the mega structure for Chernobyl. But then it shows you the the show also shows you, you know, some of the more human elements. I mean, these residents, they had homes, they had lives, photographs, children. And within a matter of days, buses showed up and they had to leave. And they could never come back. They never got to come back. They had they had to leave behind pets, animals, farms. And these people, they, they never got their pets back. It shows, in the, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Like, if they had to leave their animals, these are radioactive animals. It shows in, this, in the movie, it shows in the series, these animals, they have extermination crews that would go out there and shoot the animals and collect them and bury them. It makes perfect sense. You have a bunch of radioactive animals. Animals are thriving right now in Chernobyl, actually. The fish are, there's a huge cooling pond nearby by Chernobyl, and there's fish in there, giant catfish and everything. But they look normal. Everything looks normal. The animals are thriving there. Grass is growing everywhere, everywhere, including in the radioactive spots in Pripyat, which is basically the whole freaking town. But it's all surviving. It's incredible. But that's different. Nature 
has evolved because it's been there for so long. They can, it, nature can adapt. We can't. We're human. It's different. We still have to do certain amount of things to be to not be exposed to that. Sh- to be exposed to that. Now it's like a tourist attraction. But it is that bad. It is that bad where I consider it the worst man-made disaster of all time. And it certainly could have been a hell of a lot worse. And it still can be a hell of a lot worse because you have this giant vault of radioactive material that they are automatingly, they're doing an automated sequence where these items inside this cap that they put in, these, you know, shovels and cranes and stuff, they're going to pack up all that radioactive material, including the freaking, uh, the cap to the core. That giant reactor core, the cover is still there. It was blown open and then landed right back in its spot. It's still there. It hasn't moved. They can't go into the core. You can't do it. It's so freaking toxic. Same thing with the uh, with the the corium, the melted the melted uh, uranium that mixed with other metal and concrete and stuff that melted into the basement. The elephant's foot is is also is also known. You can Google that. You can't go near that. If you went near it back when it was first formed, instant death. Was it instant death? Yeah, you'd be dead in a matter of days or hours. It was that much radiation poisoning. You just you'd be dead. I, I mean it. It was. It's that terrifying that this this item that was far worse than the Hiroshima explode the Hiroshima uh, bomb as far as radiation radioactive decay because you didn't have a small tiny bomb that blew up okay when you think about it fat man and little boy little boy was the size of i don't know a, a twin size bed okay that's it that was little boy 20 kilotons fat man was much larger that was the size of i don't know volkswagen beetle okay Chernobyl's core was much, much larger. It was 100-something feet long and like 100-something tons. And it blew the fucking cap right off that. That much power was able to blow the cap, that cap, rupture the cap. Not just, not rupture it, but literally blow it clean off. Nobody can pick that up. You can't go in there with a crane and pick that shit up. Because if you go to pick it up, any movement inside that room would cause radioactive dust. Like when you go into a pond and you kick up the dirt and the dirt clouds the water. That if you did that to the if you did that in reactor 4 right now, you'd be kicking up dust and that dust would be going into the air. So you can't move it, but now you can because now they can go in there, they can move the core around uh, to some degree. They can they can move some stuff because they have the cap on it. The cap is designed to be designed to last for about a hundred years. I mean, the show is incredible, and there was a lot more scientists. They actually in the show at the end of it explain how the character played by Emily Watson, who I actually respect very much as an actress. She's great. I I love her to death. I, everything she's been in, everything I've seen her in. Uh, she was in a weird movie called Breaking the Waves. I don't know what that was all about. Actually, I do know what that was all about. But that was when I first randomly saw her. She was in that. She was also in Equilibrium with Christian Bale for a hot second. She's been in other movies as well. And then she was in this. And she plays, she in reality, in real life, she actually plays a collection of scientists and, and stuff that um, worked with the main uh, main character in this, in this show. So she's a collection of them and embodies them, the spirit of them. And obviously, and... It doesn't, she's not pushy, she just, she's charismatic, she's intelligent, she is not, there's a certain, I think, she's not Captain Marvel, okay, she's not that, she's not a bitch, she's just a good, a really character with with, with a strong knowledge and tries to help the main, the two main characters, one of them, uh, and she does a fantastic job of it, she's very, very knowledgeable, she just, she was a good pick. She was definitely a good pick. She brings some sort of balance to the to the to the show, 
And I, I, I was like, perfect. This is the perfect role for her. Um, so ha- hats off to her. The main character, I forget his name. I have him listed, actually. Let me grab it. Chernobyl, TV miniseries, 9.5 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. So the, the main characters are, <clears throat> excuse me, who's Jesse Buckley? Oh, Jesse Buckley, I think she plays the pregnant chick. So you have, let's see. So Jared Harris, who plays Valeri Lagasov. He's Professor Lagasov. And then you have, of course, my boy, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, It Chapter 2, who plays Pennywise the Clown, is Bill Skarsgård. That's Stellan Skarsgård's son, I believe. Stellan, Stellan has a, he's got a few kids. But Stellan has been in every, he's been in every movie. He was in Ronin. He was in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. He um, he was in The Hunt for Red October, which is a fantastic thriller movie. Uh, submarines and stuff. Sean Connery's in it. I mean, Stel- dude, you look. he was in Nymphomaniac. He played the professor. Not a good movie, but he was in it still. He's in a lot of um, Lars von Trier movies. But Stellan Skarsgård is a legend in the acting community. He's awesome. He's stoic. He's got a strong presence. And he's gr- his transformation in this series is phenomenal he's great he's great you'll love him you'll you'll love him you know he could go either way but he comes around big time and he's a he's a lot of help to the main character so he's 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 awesome in it um and then of course emily watson plays ulana comic and there's a bunch of other the characters in this movie are really good like the acting was very very strong i enjoyed the hell out of it it's the end of that cold brew. Ugh. So, what other things? There was a... Uh, I kind of lost my place. So, yeah, it's it's on HBO right now. You can actually check it out. If you have Amazon Prime, I think it is, you can check it out through there. But it is te- it is tense. It is tense. from the, And it gets you right in from the very beginning. Like, there's a little intro, which is kind of like a... This is an well. There is. This is an intro to it, which is kind of like it's from it's from the very end, and then it brings you back to the beginning, um, and then it gets right into what happened there, basically. Um, you you see the explosion from afar, and then they recap it at the end, and it is it, it, you can sense throughout the entire series that the clock is ticking. Okay. The, the producers made that abundantly clear. The clock, every second of, every second is, is there's more suffering, more death, more radiation, just more, more shit is coming. And they have to act now. They can't waste any time, whatever it takes. No matter how many bodies they threw out this, how much money they threw out this, nature just keeps kicking their ass. And it's, it's just brutal. It's, it's just brutal. But, um, I don't. I wouldn't say it's essentially for the weak-minded because there's some, there are some moments in here that can can are are troubling and haunting, but it's the reality of what happens when uh, a dictatorship or communist-like government spreads lies and you can't tell the truth in fear of making the state look bad. Um, and they play to that very very well. Because the Soviet Union was is never made never wanting to be made to look weak or look incompetent and telling and telling the state or telling the world that these RBMK nuclear reactors were dog shit or they had a huge fatal flaw does not make the Soviet Union look good. So that was another, that was a running theme throughout the entire series and finally comes to a head at the end. Which is why they may say, because it was 1986 when the event happened, the um, the Berlin Wall came down in the late 80s, and then the Soviet Union collapsed shortly right after. So they're, they're saying that the, I think it was Gorb, Mikhail, Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, who was the president of the Soviet Union back then, um, they may, he, they, he states that the accident at Chernobyl very well could have been the reason that the Soviet Union collapsed. So it was, it's an it's an I do. I. I. This. This shit. I definitely nerd out over. You know. I do. I do. Soviet. Uh, Soviet Union type stuff. The Holocaust. World War Two. World War One. Um. I'm in. I'm into this stuff because these are very big learning moments for well, just people in general. 
There's a lot to learn there where he says that the the, the that lies always pay a, have a debt to pay to the truth or something to that effect where you just keep con- if you lie it compounds on the truth and it becomes it's he says it at the end it's a, it's a really great speech but he goes what made what makes RBMK reactors explode lies and because they did not report the flaws of this reactor that's what caused it to explode so you definitely want to go check that out. Um, I've ranted about it enough. Uh, Chernobyl, it's a five-part miniseries, hour per. You can actually bang it out on a Sunday afternoon. You really could. Start it at 12, finish it at 5, go for dinner. That, And I think once you start one episode, you probably won't want to stop. But a f- kudos to the cast, the crew, the producers, everything about this series. You really fucking nailed it. I, I cannot tell you how much I loved this series from beginning to end. Um, so thank you for that. Um, also, I want to make a quick update before I... I didn't want to leave this out because you know, obviously you guys know I love drones. I fly drones. Um, I just got Pelican 2 fixed with a brand new camera. And I got a new hard case for it, which is pretty sweet. Hard cases are cheap. You can get them on eBay for like 25 to 30 bucks. You can get really good ones for like 40 to 50 But the LANC, which is the... Or the LANC, if you want to call it. Now, because there's, if you don't, if you are a, uh, if you were just a recreational flyer, you can't fly within a certain, uh, within a certain measurement point of an airport. Like if you're, if it's, it's a five mile radius, okay, prohib- uh, prohibited zone for recreational flyers within airports. But for, if you're an FAA 107 remote, if you have a remote pilot's license, you can get author- automated authorization to fly within these certain points. Certain ones. not You can't be flying right next to an airport unless you have really special authorization. But now they're coming out with a new one where you can get automated authorization for recreational pilots. So you can get uh, you can get automated authorization to fly, say you're within four miles of an airport and you want to go up to like 200 feet. And if that grid allows for two to three... Oops, excuse me. If that grid allows for two to 300 feet for an automated license for a recreational flyer, you can just get the AirMap app and then there's another app, I think. And then you can get automated auth- authorization to fly in that spot, which is great. So um, good news for drone flyers that we haven't, you know, we, we're definitely working closely with the federal government. And um, I think the FAA is kind of giving us some of the freedoms back that we want. They just want us to be responsible with our drones because it is very easy for a drone to fly away or for somebody to do something stupid. Um, there was a lot of good precautionary measures already in place but they're obviously you know it was a huge growing market and they had to they i guess had to address it but lucky for us recreational flyers and for us fa 107 flyers that we now have um, a lot of automated authorizations where unlike the health uh, healthcare uh, marketplace the lank system is actually gonna is actually gonna be a little more efficient and do the job for us so kudos to them all right, we're coming up on 43 minutes. Uh, I got four other items. Um, let's keep it in the nerd range here. I'm going to switch over to, what is this? Roadshow. So this is from CNET, but Roadshow by Tim Stevens. I don't know if you guys saw, if you guys are car fans, like, you know, just, you know, petrol heads or whatever you want to call them. Uh, the new Chevy Corvette just came out. It's just, it's 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 called the Stingray, but it is the 2020 Chevy Corvette. And there's two huge modifications on it. It was only a matter of time before they did this because of weight st- distribution. Most supercars and hypercars, especially uh, foreign uh, American cars, are known for having the engines in the front. European supercars and hypercars are known for en- having the engines in the back. Well, not necessarily in the back. They're called mid-engine, so they're basically right behind the uh, the the cabin of the car. Ferrari does this. Lamborghini does this. Koenigsegg does this. Um, so now Corvette is finally doing it. And the looks of this car are out of, are out of control. It looks, it looks amazing. It does look like, a, first of all, Corvette was heading in the design of the Ferrari anyways. It did already start to look a lot like the Ferrari 458. Um, the new one definitely puts a stamp on, on that opinion for sure. 
The lines are super slick, super aggressive. The back is ultra busy. The tires are super wide. It is it is a it is a viper. It really is awesome to look at. So they ditched the front engine. They slammed the engine in the back. It's a 6.2 liter, 495 horsepower base engine. When the Zod 6 comes out, it'll probably be fucking who knows how much horsepower but it is already crazy it's already got numbers under three seconds for zero to 60 and they also to keep up when you once you put the engine in the back the shifter goes bye-bye so there's no more stick shift that's another thing that corvette that's the one thing that american car, car american car drivers love they love having stick shifts but those are going bye-bye too. I mean, the Dodge Demon, they got rid of the stick shift. The um, And the Corvette, they're doing that as well. And they're ditching the Camaro, which will save them uh, research and development money to work on the Corvette as well. I believe um, Mustang with the Shelby DT, I think they're also getting rid of the uh, stick shift as well. And they're going to like a six, they went from like a six-speed six speed manual to um, like a 10-speed uh, and it's basically called a flappy panel gearbox. So basically, it's just paddles on each side of the on the each side of the driver, and that's basically that's your shifter. Those are your shifters. So no clutch. The clutch is gone. That is all handled within the paddles, and it'll make shifting faster. It won't make shifting as aggressive. So it is. Don't get me wrong. I love a five-speed gearbox or a six-speed gearbox that you can just kind of hammer down, like an old Porsche or obviously a Mustang or an older Corvette or Camaro or what have you. But when you're dealing with a machine like this that needs to accelerate faster and requires different shift shifting times and plus the engine's all the way in the back, we're talking about diff- we're just talking about a different machine altogether. Okay? And in order for Corvette to compete, it had to move with the times. And I think, and for the fact that you can get a base model Corvette for around sixty thousand dollars, I mean, yeah, there's going to be markup, and the dealerships are definitely going to try to fuck you, all right. But the fact is, is that you can. They are pricing them for just under sixty grand for the base models, and since you get a four hundred and ninety-five horsepower, six-point-two liter V8 with the base model, that looks absolutely awesome. And the interior, now that they got rid of the stick shift, it has this amazing, you know, touchscreen computer monitor with this giant long sliding side panel of buttons and options. It is just magical to look at. It is definitely, a, it is a complete redesign of the Chevy Corvette. I mean, Google it, just Google 2020 Corvette and you'll be blown away by it. Um, the reason I don't drive a Corvette is because I love convertibles. And I actually, here's the thing. I just didn't like the design of the of the Corvette convertible for the, most of the years. However, they have the split top. Now that I would drive all day long because the Mazda RX, the Mazda MX-5 RF, uh, has a split top, basically you know, or like a T-top as I remember it. The new Corvette has that option as well, or a Spider, basically. I think that's what they also call it. I'll drive that all day long. That would be a daily driver for me. I don't care. And um, I'll see other options. The bigger change, though, is what is connected to the is what it's connected to. For the first time, the 2020 will have an eight-speed dual-clutch transmission from Tremec. The good news is that it means no more slush box automatic. The bad news: no more three-pedal manu- manual transmission. Yeah, we're gonna have mixed feelings about that. When it comes to performance, there's no doubt DCTs are quicker. Double-clutch transmissions. How quick? The new C8 will have a zero to sixty time in less of less than three seconds. Chevy isn't quoting an exact time yet, but considering the outgoing ZR1 needed seven, the 2019 ZR1 needed 755 horsepower to clock in at 2.8, that's pretty impressive. So, you know, 255 horsepower less doing the exact same 0 to 60. That's pretty sweet. Uh, let's see. And then, of course, they haven't done the performance models. The ZR1 performance model has not been debuted yet. But I'm pretty sure that thing is going to be an absolute psychopath. Let's see. 6.2 liter. Yeah. That's just... You got to check this thing out. It's just it's just incredible. I absolutely love it. It's it's beautiful in pretty much any color. I love it in white. I love it in black. The lightning blue or the... Yeah. Ocean blue. Just an awesome car. You got to check that out. You can go to roadshow.com or you can just Google 
you know, 2020 Corvette and you just freaking wow. My dad had an 85, uh, four and three, uh, manual transmission Chevy Corvette. It was around 285 horsepower to the crank. Um, had a 5.7 liter, uh, small block V8, white convertible top, um, electronics, had a built in, um, uh, police detector, radar detector in the actual car. It was cool. It was interesting for its time. Um, there was definitely some ugly 80s, uh, like the, the rims were fucking disgusting to look at. And the top wasn't even powered. The top, the convertible top in the 80, 85, or excuse me, 87, excuse me, 1987 uh, Chevy Corvette was manual. It was manual. So you had to pull the top back. You had to pull the, 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 the roof panel back, and then you put the roof into it, and then you close it. I, I hated it. I hate manual roofs. I do. I love having a power convertible roof. There's nothing better. There's no reason why you should have to get out of your car now. Um, it does save weight, though, just having the hinges and, and not needing uh, hydraulics. But at that point, you know, what the fuck are you buying a, 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 a convertible for? And convertibles are for cruising. So if it adds an extra, I don't know, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds, it's worth it. Okay. I do have a couple articles that I wanted to get to before we get out of there. Uh, okay. Let's see. All right. The Facebook, I'm not going to deal with that today. Uh, but Facebook, yeah, they got they just got slapped with a $5 billion, billion fine, but it's really not going to matter because they made over $20 billion last year. Uh, and then the Neuralink thing I wanted to get to. All right. This is also on CNET. I'm loving, I'm loving my CNET lately. I really do. Great, great stuff. Okay, this is by, shout out to Stephen Shankland. Elon Musk says Neuralink plans 2020 human test of brain-computer interface. A monkey has been able to control a computer with his brain, unquote, CEO, it says it's a startup brain machine, blah, blah, blah. Neuralink, Elon Musk's startup that's trying to directly link brains and computers, basically speed up the data feed in your mind, has developed a system to feed thousands of electrical probes into a brain and hopes to start testing the technology on humans in 2020. Musk revealed Tuesday it's already working an animal test. Uh, Musk he said that uh, he talked about the monkey being able to control a computer with his brain. He said that at a San Francisco live stream of the presentation on YouTube Tuesday, revealing even more research resulting in the company's scientists expected. Neuralink's initial goal is to help people deal with brain and spinal cord injuries or congenital defects, Musk said. The technology could help paraplegics who have lost the ability to move or sense because of spinal cord injuries. Medical treatment that it's a lot less shocking than radical sci-fi ideas. Consensual telepathy. But the long-term goal is to build digital superintelligence layer to link humans with artificial intelligence and technology he views as an existential threat to humanity because artificial intelligence thinks faster and processes faster than we ever could. Our brains are not designed like that. Quote, ultimately, we can do a full brain-machine interface where we can achieve a sort of symbiosis with AI. One goal along the way will be letting people type 40 words per minute just by thinking. Neuralink has the potential to dramatically reshape both computing and humanity. And if it felt like like-minded researchers can persuade regulators and society at large that we should be directly wired to machines. That's a big if. The challenges are immense, and when it comes to developing the technology, making it practical and affordable and convincing people that's safe and desirable. The startup uses sewing machine-like technology this year to drill small holes into the brains and insert super slender electrodes called threads steering clear of blood vessels as they go. Yeah, I don't see anything going wrong with this. Quote, we hope to have this uh, aspirationally in the human patient by the end of this year. So it's not far. He acknowledged, though, the approval of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration may be quite difficult. Brain-machine interface technology is active research at competitors and other laboratories, but some worry that Neuralink's invasive method is risky. Today, some epilepsy patients have dozens of wires inserted to monitor brain activity, said Ben He, head of biomechanical biomedical engineering at Carnegie Mellon University and researcher who favors non-invasive methods. In the general population... In the general population, I could not see how many uh, of such inserted wires into the human brains would not cause risk, potentially impair the working of the brain. Uh, okay, yeah. Even if Neuralink's approach works, don't expect the download of the ability to speak French anytime soon. The company's first goals are dauntingly ambitious, and training the brain to understand the Neuralink signals won't be easy, said Max Hodling, Neuralink's president and co-founder. It's a long process. It's like learning to touch type. It's learning to touch type or play piano. 
Uh, okay. So the nodes, these electrodes, are inserted by a robot. And then from there, those electrodes basically allow you to adapt to whatever machine you're working with. So basically, instead of your fingers doing the texting and doing the surfing of the web and doing the reading of the, the article, your brain is basically doing that. Your brain is processing it, removing the data feed that is your arm and your your hand and your and your eyes. It removes all those slow bandwidths and just basically sends the data right to your brain to read, write, and process that information. The upsides, faster download, faster upload, straight to your brain, more information, quicker. Bad news, more upload and download of possible misinformation, impulsive maneuvering. Um, oh, and the big one, hacking. Because now that now you were literally saying okay and yes and no and F you to whatever could be compromising. Imagine paying for you imagine paying for your Starbucks coffee with your fucking earball with your ear. Just, you know, beep. You know, like that. You just roll your ear by the thingy. Okay, instead of have a key to start your car or 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 a snap card to uh pay for your groceries or what have you. You're just swiping your fucking head or retinal scans or something like that and that data is everywhere. And yeah, the risk is massive. And from my point of view, no, I don't want electrodes in my head. Obviously, if I was a patient who didn't have access to my legs, didn't have access to my arms, then okay. I, I see, I absolutely see the potential for that. But as far as just having it so that I can have my 5G, my 5G wireless signal go straight to my head, I'm going to take a pass, bro. I'm going to take a pass. So, that's he's working on that. Um he's probably also he's also working on a couple new Teslas, but the that you can go to you can just go check out Neuralink. There's a lot of information on it. Um expect to hear more about it in the coming uh, weeks and months. And finally, all right, we're coming up on 57 minutes. I want to talk to you about social media real quick. Real quick. You know, to run this website and to run this project that is, you know, PS, PS Media, it requires staying focused, not being distracted, being alert, being awake, not and not trying to get, you know, go down the rabbit hole that bolt that there there's just so much bullshit out there. And I feel like I've done a pretty good job of not going down the rabbit hole of Facebook. And I've done an even better job of not going down the rabbit hole of Instagram. I know, you know, my buddy, Mr. Frowley, freaking constantly tags me and stuff, but it's cool. It's his way of kind of letting me know, hey, I'm still here, bro. That's cool. But, you know, I don't go too far down that rabbit hole, which is great. And it doesn't, and neither of them make, make me angry. Like, if somebody says something that I don't agree with on Facebook, I can just unfollow them. We're still friends, and that's cool. Instagram, uh, same thing. Mines, mines is fine. Gab, I don't go on. Um, Twitch, I basically just do my thing. But Twitter is a little difficult. I, mean, I know just, if you didn't know, last week they just banned Lindsay Shepard, who is a student aide at um, the University of Wilfrid Laurier. And they banned her for her thoughts and her opinions. And not a fan of it. Twitter does not benefit me, at least at this time doesn't benefit anything that I do other than sending out a couple tweets every now and then, letting people know that the Twitch stream is up and running. Right now, it doesn't work for me. And I feel like it would be beneficial for my health to not be on Twitter anymore. I deleted the app about six months ago, so I would receive less notifications. But I think just getting rid of the username altogether and leaving Twitter would be more beneficial to the company where I can just focus on the YouTube stuff, the Twitch stuff, the Facebook platforms, um, and the the new um, social media that's coming down the pike. It would be safer. It would be smarter. And, and, and just, you know, I don't care if I've said the stupid shit or whatever I've said on Twitter. I don't care. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me at all. But I just think overall, it's not doing anything for me. And I don't like how Twitter is 
shadow banning people and then just outright banning people altogether. I didn't like when they banned Alex Jones. I don't care what he said or what he did. I don't. I didn't like when they banned Milo. I didn't like when they banned friggin' Lindsey Shepard. Okay. I don't like them censoring the president's tweets. I don't like how they do things. I don't like their pushing of ideals that I'm not a big fan of. I just want to see uh, open dialogue and let the people decide what they want to do. I feel like the trolls have quick access. I feel like whenever I see my buddy Turcotte on Twitter, I feel like I'm I'm only seeing a side of him that, well, it's mostly political. I do see some comedy stuff from him for the most part. For the most part, it's just hard to... When you're only when when it's a buddy of yours that you don't get to see very often because you're constantly busy and all you see is just political stuff, you know, you gotta. It's not good because you're only seeing him in that one light. You're not seeing him as a human, and I would rather see the people that I know in my life as just more human than just a feed on a social media wall. Well, people can say, well, if you don't like it, don't follow it. Well, it's like it doesn't. It doesn't. On, it, it, at this point, it can work that way. It also can't. When you're affiliated with these people, you have to understand that they have their own thoughts and opinions, and you have, and I do as well. And I think that even though I, I, I like what you know, people like Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan and all my favorite comics too that have to say, I just get bombarded with promoted shit that I don't want to see. Uh, tweets and thoughts about shit that I don't want to hear about. And, you know, I want to see stuff about wine and I, you just can't get past it because all the hashtags are right there about what's going on and they're curated. It's no longer really what's trending. It's whatever Twitter wants to put up there. And I'm just fucking tired of it. And I think at this point you just, with all the new algorithms, I don't know if it's possible to grow on Twitter. I don't think it's possible to grow on on Instagram. Maybe Facebook, you can. But I don't trust any of them. And one of them's gotta go. And it's not, to me, it's not gonna hurt. I don't feel like at this point I'm missing out on anything. I feel like it's it's less shit for me to have to dive into. And new stuff's gonna come down the pike. And if, what does it matter? that I'm on that I'm not on Twitter anymore. It's just it's just Twitter. I only got a few hundred followers on there anyway, so who the fuck cares? I'm not missing anything. I don't click on their links to get stuff from them. I don't benefit in any way, shape, or form right now with Twitter. So why have it? I don't need it. All it can do with and the way that the politics are skewing on there and the culture is skewing on there is best just to not be on there. So, that being said, um, I'm going to get rid of Twitter. I mean, it, it shouldn't be, like, I'm not going to make a statement. I'll make a statement about it on my podcast because it's what's on my mind. Okay, I'm deleting a social media app. People see you on the People got mad at me when I deleted Facebook originally. They got mad at me, so we don't be friends anymore. I said, I'm not on the fucking platform anymore, idiot. I mean, I'm on there now, but I'm on there as positive sarcasm. So with Twitter, I just don't want to be there on there at all. It just, just doesn't do anything for me. And whatever you guys want to do is up to you. But for me, I'm all done with Twitter. I'm not going to use it anymore. I'm going to get rid of my profile. Well, first, I'm going to finish editing and uploading this podcast. Then I'm going to get rid of Twitter. I'm just disconnect them all together. It's not helping anybody. It's only going to get worse. So, that's the end of that. Can't help you, bro. So, that's that. Uh, We are at an hour and four minutes. Cool. So, I thank you guys for taking the time to listen, watch, and subscribe. Um, Long week. Very tired. But, as long as I stay disciplined, as long as I keep pumping out this stuff, only good things can come. Doing my research, taking down my notes, and making sure I stay off of Twitter. (laughs) And, uh, I guess that'll be it. I got to go make some new coffee. I'm going to go check out some, I'm going to get ready for some new articles next week. Please check out the new mini series Chernobyl on uh, HBO or uh, Amazon Prime or wherever you can find it. Check it out. It You can't miss. It's one of the best I've seen. Um, and it pays a great deal of respect to the events that happened back in 1986. So definitely check that out. You guys want to follow me on twitch.tv slash positive sarcasm one. I stream the podcast uh, live every time I do it. It's generally once a week. 
the you can follow me on facebook.com slash positive sarcasm instagram instagram at positive underscore sarcasm you can follow me definitely follow me on youtube definitely subscribe to me on youtube i got, i'm gonna be working on some more stuff very very soon i got a lot of shit coming up as well Definitely follow me on YouTube. It's Positive Sarcasm. Check out my website if you're looking for posing music. I just finished a great project for a girl down in Texas called The Thin Blue Line. That was just sent to her. If you need posing music, send me a message at positivesarcasm.com. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. I really do appreciate it. Um, if you guys have questions or comments to be read on the podcast, definitely send me, uh, just send me a contact at, at positive Check out my article archive, check out my, my YouTube stuff, anything on there. And, uh, make sure you listen and subscribe to this thing. I thank you guys for listening, watching and supporting, and I will check on you next week. Make sure you hit up my YouTube channel, but thank you guys so much for listen, listening, watching and subscribing. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation streaming live from the spare parts studios. To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.